Now, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, it would be Luke, Dr. Luke writing. When he talked about the first book, he's talking about the book of Luke, okay? In the first book, that would be the book of Luke. O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now, what commands did he give? What commands did Jesus give? The command he gave was that you are to be witnesses. Witness, everybody say witnesses. Oh, it's so weak. Come on. You are to be witnesses. Come on, I say witnesses. witnesses. So that would be in Luke. Uh, at the last chapter of Luke, when Jesus was hanging out with the disciples for 40 days, he gave them the commandments. He said, you saw the blind was healed, the death was raised, and you, be, you are the witness and go throughout the nation and make disciples of the nation. And in Mark and Matthew, Jesus gave the similar commands because it's about a similar recording, similar account. So Jesus' commands to them were to go and make disciples of nation and become witnesses of what you experience. Now, witness is very interesting. You cannot witness something that you've never experienced. Are you here this morning? Because there will be a false witness. You can only witness of something you've experienced. And this is what we want to talk about this morning, is that you and I need to experience the power of God and the Holy Spirit. Without it, it's hollow witness. It, it's, it's empty. It's just words. It means nothing. But witnesses means I've experienced the power of God, I experienced an encounter with God. When I gave my life to Jesus, I experienced an encounter. I've seen miracles in my life as the disciples did, so they were able to become witnesses. And you and I are called to be witnesses. Okay? He presented them alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them. Now, after he gave the commandments and he gave a final instruction, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Everybody say wait. Let me pause here. Wait is, like I said last year, because we preach about this last year, wait is a lost art in our culture today and unfortunately in the church. Do you realize that it is true that God sometimes heals quite suddenly and quite immediately and bring miracles and answer to prayer quite immediately and suddenly? But if you were to recount the entire Bible, you'll see that a lot of people had to wait. Wait for the blessings of God. Wait, listen, is a discipline. Everybody say discipline. Do you know that we are lacking in the discipline of waiting because we are in the culture, a microwave culture, that we need immediate results? The younger we had been, the younger we are in our culture, the less patient we are, and supposedly, I suppose it's very natural. But I want to encourage you, young people, is that the greatest skill and discipline that you can help yourself or cultivate to help yourself is a discipline of waiting. Learn how to wait. Good things come to those who? Good things come to those who? 
Well, most of us can't wait, so I want to encourage you. You know, there are people that want to come to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember in the old days, <coughs> I would hear people here pursuing and asking the Holy Spirit to fill them. There was this brother who actually had eventually become a pastor, and uh, he, 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 you know, he was teaching the young people in, in the youth. He said, you know, you guys are praying for the Holy Spirit. I waited for four years. Many of us thought Holy Spirit is not real anymore after they waited for one year. They create theology saying, okay, well, you know, maybe this is not for me. Maybe the gift is not for me. And they create all kinds of theology. Why? Because they had no patience to wait. Especially the manner in the spirit, ladies and gentlemen. You and I need to learn how to wait. Starting from waiting for the Holy Spirit. Many of us Christians, especially those born again, you know, new Christians, you know, they have such an amazing experience of the presence of God and things were just going great. And all of a sudden, it looks like things just stop. And it's, they, they thought to themselves, what happened? Did the Holy Spirit leave me? They kind of lost steam. Have you met those born, new born again Christians? And maybe some of us are like that. They lost steam and thought, you know, what happened? Well, what happened is God wants to learn to try to train you to pay, wait patiently, wait for Him. If you can't wait for Him, you don't know how to wait and have the discipline to wait. You're going to lose out a lot. I say a lot of God's blessings in your life. So learn how to wait. They that wait upon the Lord. A lot of people say that's prayer. But the literal word is wait, honey. <laughs> they that wait upon the Lord. So young people and all alike. I know old people know that already, so I don't have to address them. You know, like it's John the Beloved, you address the young people, the old people, you know, the father and the son. I'm doing the same thing right now. So young people, would you cultivate the lifestyle of waiting, especially in spiritual matter? And if things are not coming through, like healings, like, you know, you pray for anointing to heal, you, to, to, you pray for the word of knowledge, you pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, different gifts that he'd given to the church, and it is not happening, not because God is trying to tease you, maybe this time he's trying to teach you how you ought to wait. So Wait. So he said, while well, staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. That would be the Holy Spirit. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let me pause here. Now, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does two things. Number one, what he would do is that he would bring, bring about the born-again experience. John the Beloved said, said, Jesus said this, that every man that is not born of the water as of the Spirit is not, is not able to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the born-again experience. You need to get baptized, water, hello, and spirit, you need the Holy Spirit. Just baptism without the Holy Spirit is just formality, rituals, and religion. And how many of you want religion? Don't raise your hand. In the wrong house. We don't want religion. We want the real thing. The real thing is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll be touched by the Holy Spirit. Be born again with the Holy Spirit. Not only that. 
If you say you're born again in the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself said you need to be born of the water. In fact, John the Beloved will say there's three that testifies of our faith. It is the water, it is the blood, and it is the Holy Spirit. And I think you know what that is. A lot of people who were born again, who accept Jesus, they didn't want to get baptized. Then I wonder, hmm, I wonder. Because it's very natural to be born again, to be baptized. I'm not trying to put pressure on you if you're not baptized. But I just want to encourage you, it's a very natural thing. It's like a very natural thing for kids to want to have candy. How many of you kids never wanted candy growing up? Not one, right? Because if you are, then we need to lay hands on you because you're weird. <laughs> right? You, you are, but it's very natural for people who want to be born again to follow the Word of God and get baptized. So I want to encourage you. Email Pastor Marlies. Get baptized. You know, here, here she is. You know, marlies.nobrega at willadale.com. Sorry, we didn't have any announcement today because one of our, 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 our uh, editor, his machine crashed in the middle of the night. So they were, anyways, hallelujah, praise God. Believe in God for a new system for them, hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> so anyways, baptized with the Holy Spirit in not many days. Now, what's the difference? Now, when Jesus <clears throat> uh, met the, the disciples in the book of John, if you remember, he, he breathed, after he rose again, he, he met with the disciples, he said, peace be with, with you. And after that, he, what did he do? He went, he breathed to them the Holy Spirit. That is called the born again experience. When you're born again, you, the Holy Spirit will come into you and live in you. That's called born again. He, renew, he will renew your heart, renew your spirit, cause your spirit to be regenerated. Well, that's different from being baptized. In the Holy Spirit. Are you here this morning? So a lot of people say, yeah, I already have the Holy Spirit in me. That's great. But you know, you need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit for a very specific purpose. A singular, specific purpose, which I will talk about later on. But you know, just being born again itself is not enough for the task that God wants to assign to you. You need to be filled. Everybody say filled. Or baptized. Everybody say baptized. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And today is a day of Pentecost. It's a day that the Holy Spirit first came 2,000 years ago and baptized the disciple. And baptizing in the Holy Spirit, John the Beloved said, is baptizing in the fire and you will see it. Not John the Beloved, John the Baptist. You remember John the Baptist says, you know, I baptize you with water, but the one come after me whom I'm not worthy to tie his shoe will baptize you with the Spirit and fire. So being baptized with the Holy Spirit is being baptized with fire. You cannot say you have no fire if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Some people say, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't look like they've been filled with the Holy Spirit because they look like cold water. There's no fire in them. Are you here? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, don't look at I always tell people, you know, notify your faith what's going on in your heart. Then people say, I got the joy of the Lord in my heart. <laughs> hey, notify your face. I got joy in my heart. Well, anyways, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, um, Let's go to verse 7. 
They were asking him about the kingdom, you know, when is the kingdom going to be restored? When is Israel going to be a superpower again? Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed for his own authority, but you will receive power. Everybody's power. Oh, so weak. Come on. You'll receive power. Everybody say power. That's right. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let's go to chapter 2, 10 days later. So Jesus... Just set it, set it up for you. So Jesus told them all that, and he ascended to heaven. Okay? He's ascended to heaven. The Bible says that from the place where Jesus ascended to heaven to the place of Jerusalem where they're supposed to go and wait is about a one Sabbath day walk. It's not one day walk. It's one Sabbath day walk. Do you know what that is? How many of you are familiar with the Jewish rites and tradition? So the Jews, when they walk on Sabbath day, they walk six steps, right, I believe? And then they have to stop. And then they walk another six steps just to rest, right? It's a day of rest. I think it's six steps. Or something. I can't remember the number. Some of you are, you know, Jewish scholar or whatever, right? Is there any Jewish scholar here? I can fool you all. <laughs> you know, so they walk, they walk several steps, let's say, and then they have to stop. And then they walk seven steps again, and then they stop. So instead of taking one full day, it's actually longer than a day. But, you know, for mathematics and whatever says, let's not guess, let's just say, okay, one day. So it took them one day. So they had nine days hanging out together. Okay, watch this. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived... They were all together in one place. Now watch this. You and I know what happened on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. But you know, they didn't. They were told to go back to Jerusalem and wait without specific time. Now I wonder how you feel if Jesus said to you, wait for the promise of the Father. Would you put a time frame to it? It's like some of you, you know, the Holy Spirit told you, wait for your spouse. And you waited, you waited, you waited, and you get impatient. And you found your own spouse. Glory to God. I don't know whether it's the glory to God. I shouldn't even say that. You know, you find your spouse. Because you have no patience. You see, all these people, they were never told when Holy Spirit was going to come. But they patiently waited without knowing exactly what would be happening and when it would be happening. The value of waiting, the true waiting is waiting without knowing when. If I tell you, if Jesus would have told them, hey, you know, you wait for 10 days, it would have been easy. No? They're so quiet. Right? If the Holy Spirit said, wait 10 days, it would have been easy. Some of you have been waiting for something, you know. It would have been easy if you knew the time when God is going to show up to heal you. It would have been easy. But faith is not about easy. Faith is to believe in God, believe in His goodness. If it doesn't turn out the way and the, and the time, timeline that he, you had expected, you continue to trust that He is good. So anyways, they waited. They were all together in one place and suddenly they came from heaven, sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire room where they were sitting. 
and divide the tongues. So fill the entire room. Everybody say fill the entire room. You know, if the Holy Spirit come today, God is going to fill the entire room, including those of you who are sitting on the last row on the highest spot in this church. Amen. You know, I love you guys. I don't know. I don't know. I love you guys. But I don't understand the concept of sitting on the last row. Does that mean that you can run faster out of here if something is wrong? But some of you have been coming to this church for like forever, and what are you afraid of? No, I'm not. No condemning. No, I'm, I'm just asking, what are you afraid of? See, see, Angela is not afraid, even though I'll be spitting and everything. She will have the shower of blessing over her. But praise God. Well, I love you guys. I don't even know who's in there. I think I see, yeah, yeah, whatever. All right. So, and divided tongues of fire. Again, fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So the Holy Spirit is going to come fill this room from down here all the way to the top. And each and every one of them, who are them anyways? Well, if you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 25, I believe, it says that there were the 120 people. 120 of them. We have more than 120 of us here for sure. But 120 of them, without one exception, I tell you this, I long for the day of the Holy Spirit. I long for the day. You know how I know it's the day of the Holy Spirit? It's not going to be pretend. It's not going to be a make-believe by man. It's not going to be all stirred up emotionally by man. You know, we Pentecostal like to do that. We'll stir people up emotion, you know, put them under all kinds of guilt and condemnation. Well, you don't feel the Holy Spirit because you're not holy enough or whatever, right? But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will fill everybody indiscriminately. I long for that day. Are you longing for that day? Yeah. You know, I just can't wait. One day I'll be preaching. You know, maybe it's going to happen today. You know, I'll be preaching. And boom, fire came down. Boom, touch everybody. And then all of a sudden I won't be able to talk anymore. And you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I pray for that day in Jesus' name. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Hey, watch this. They began to speak in another tongue. Shaka. Amen. Speaking tongue is amazing. If you haven't been filled, filled with the Holy Spirit with speaking tongues, don't give up even after you've waited for two years. The brother that I told you, he waited for four years. And he waited. You say, why is that? Why is this? You know, some people, they seem to get everything so quickly. They never show up in the church, you know. They show up one day, you know, and then they got healed. And some of you have been sitting here like, I've been sitting here for 20 years. And no, I'm not. Actually, our church is not even that old. I've been sitting here for whatever, and I haven't been healed. So unfair. And then some young guy comes in, you know, just got saved. And then all of a sudden, I can feel the Holy Spirit. And you're like, I've been waiting for the Holy Spirit for 15 years. Where's the fairness and justice on that? I don't know. But you and I need to learn how to wait on the Lord. But you know, one day when the Holy Spirit should come and the revival should come, it's the way that He filled those people, 120 people. Man, that day, everybody would be touched by the power of God. We feel the Holy Spirit. And then God gave them utterance to speak in other tongues. Now, 
We're not going to read any further, but I'll tell you what happened. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, people came about. Everybody heard them talking. Some people thought they were drunk. They're always negative people, aren't they, eh? Like the wedding was so amazing on Saturday. Was it Friday, Saturday? Saturday. Saturday. It was amazing. I love the preacher. Man, I thought it was really good, right? But I thought the whole thing was amazing, right? And then you got all these negative people. But they always be negative people. So there's some negative people. It's like, ooh, they must be drunk. Like, seriously. So they're always going to be people criticizing you. Get used to it. That's human nature. But you know, so they will feel the Holy Spirit and they begin to preach. Now, I want you to watch this, and this is the main point I'm going to preach. I got 15 minutes. I'm going to wrap it up in 15 minutes. Okay. Before they will feel the Holy Spirit, they were instructed to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Jesus said, The promise of the Father is going to come to you. And he instructed them to wait. Now, let me ask you this question. Maybe some of you know, maybe some of you don't know. What do you think they were doing after they were instructed to wait for the Holy Spirit? What, they, what were they doing waiting for the Holy Spirit? Some of you, listen, you're waiting to be touched by the power of God. You're waiting to have that encounter with God. You've been waiting, waiting, and waiting. Do you know what the disciples were doing, what the follower of Jesus was doing while they were waiting? You know, a lot of us thought that if we, do, if we wait on the Lord, it means we do nothing. We, 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 we just wait, sit there, and look at each other, eating ice cream or something, just to wait. But if you pay attention to chapter 1, you know that while they were waiting for the Holy Spirit for however day, many days, nine days, eight days, seven days, whatever, however days that it took them to go from the mount where Jesus was ascended to heaven to Jerusalem, and then they came together and wait. However many days they were, they were doing something. You know what they were doing? They were doing taking care of the church. What is that? It's not a building. They didn't have a building. They were the assembly of the 120. I got two points here I want to make. Number one is the assembly. When you want to wait for the move of God, chances are he will show up in the assembly. That's why the Bible in Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, Cease not the assembly with one another, and doing more so as the day approaches. The devil, the enemy of our soul, the enemy of, of, his, of, the, of the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, will do everything in his power, number one, to discourage you to show up in church. And number two is to make you so distracted and busy that you have no time to show up in church, even if you are not discouraged. I love the people watching live now. I love you guys. Thank you for watching all over the world. Hallelujah. If people really share here, I'm sure a lot of people are watching. And I thank God. But if you're in the city of Toronto, in fact, anywhere else, there is a dynamic that you cannot find by watching a sermon on YouTube, Facebook, or whatever. Yes, we want to reach you. We want, we, God loves you. And you know the power of God is there to minister and touch you. Some of you can't be at church because of, you know, pain and sickness and, this, you know, whatever. You, it's convenient to be here. You know, uh, God bless you, you know. And, and I pray that God will just encourage and inspire you to look for opportunity to come and be in the house of God. Because there is a dynamic that you will never find in your living room. 
the fivefold ministry is not meant for you to do it on yourself. Can you imagine? I pastor myself. Hallelujah. I'm an apostle over myself. I'm a teacher to teach myself. Does it make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to teach it. The fivefold ministry is not meant for us. In other words, the reason God gave fivefold ministry is because He had intended, He always planned that believers often, everybody say often, often assemble together because when believers assemble together, there's a dynamic that's waiting to happen. And there's a dynamic that you'll see when the Holy Spirit break out because when the Holy Spirit broke out, the Bible will never say that those people who are not in the assembly got filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm sure there may be some disciples still busy shopping that morning, you know. Who knows? Don't miss an opportunity to be in the house of God. Don't miss the opportunity to assemble together. It's very, very important. So what do you do when you assemble together? Now, if you read uh, chapter 1, you'll see that they were taking care of the business in the house of God. One of the things they were doing is they were appointing a new apostle in the place of uh, Judas, Judas Iscariot. Because he was, uh, you know, he was betrayed, and, and Peter basically just, just spoke about the prophecy, about how we need to, they need to replace them. So they, they, they chose um, Matthias, I believe, to be the replacement. They were taking care of the house of God. So while you're waiting, some of you are waiting for God for something. I don't know what you're waiting for God for. Maybe for, us, for a, I don't know, a blessing of the Lord. Maybe you're waiting for God to, to, I don't know what you're waiting for God. What are you waiting for God for? While you're waiting, listen, listen, listen. Keep yourself occupied. Keep yourself busy, not about your own thing, but keep yourself busy of the house of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Keep yourself busy. Sir, I tell you, in our culture, as every forces from hell is pulling us away from the church, pulling us away from assembly, putting us away from gathering with other believers. You know why? Because isolation is a sure thing to defeat us. When the devil is able to isolate you, you know, some of you have been isolated before, you know. You sit in the apartment yourself, you know, and, and then you start thinking. And then depression comes. Some of you are struggling with depression, emotion. The sure thing to get rid of is to get yourself out of your house and go call another believer and go pray with them. You say, everybody's working. Well, come to church. There are people here always at church. Tuesday to Friday. <laughs> During the weekdays. Monday is day off. But there are always people. Just call people. If you live far, far away in some Oshawa land or whatever, you can call people in Pickering or something, you know, like Whitby or whatever in the East End. Somewhere just west of Morningside is foggy to me, you know, just somewhere out there in the fog. Just gather together. I like to see a small group out there. It's a small group. There's enough of you out there to have a small group. Just Holy Ghost small group. Sister Mavis. So assemble together and ministering together. So that's what we do. They were focusing internally before, before they were filled the Holy Spirit. Now check what happened after they were filled the Holy Spirit. As soon as they were filled the Holy Spirit, the dynamic shifted. They went from internal to external focus. The first thing they did, 
after they started speaking tongue, is they started to preach. And the church, the Bible says, grew 5,000. Do you know what the Holy Spirit is for? A lot of people say, you know, you got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then God will bless your life. That is not true. You already bless when you're born again. Come on. When you're born again, you are blessed already and highly favored. That's what we're singing this song. God is so good because you're blessed and highly favored. Not because of what you've done, because of what the cross has done. So you're already very blessed when you are born again. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is for one thing. is to empower the church to reach the lost. Come on. It's to empower you to reach the lost. You know, some people say, oh, I'm Tim and I can't reach the lost. Well, then ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I say, well, it doesn't make sense. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be bold. You know, Peter was a chicken. Peter was a chicken. He was timid. He was always like, you know, denying Jesus and all. And he was always very insecure. He heard other people, you know, preaching about Jesus. And they come to Jesus and say, those guys, they're not even one of us. How come, how come they're preaching about you? He was insecure. He was scared. He was, he was no good, full of bad temper. You know, run, run around, you know, denying Jesus, cursing the heaven, even denying Jesus. I mean, like, seriously, the guy was really afraid. You cannot possibly be more afraid than he was. So some of you say, you know, I'm, I'm so afraid. I don't know. I don't want to. I'm not a people person. That you may be right. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. I got seven minutes. That's a big digital clock right in front of me. I can see. For that purpose. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? <laughs> When you are being filled with the Holy Spirit, God will give you the boldness and the power to do that which He had called you to do. Don't do it with your own strength, in other words. Because if you try to do your own strength, it feels hollow. You understand that? Like a lot of us trying to reach our neighbor, you know, you, do you, are you, you want to be born again, and we feel hollow. But in the old days, we were forced to do it. We were guilt into doing evangelism. I remember in my parents' church, you know, we used to go, in fact, actually, even in this church, Shaka, we, uh, we, we formed groups to go out there and knock on doors, you know, so people did it because, you know, right? Because Pastor Paul says so, you know. So we went out, and uh, no power. I just actually no power. We used to have this gimmick, you know, have... Um, what you got? Uh, I found it. I don't know if you remember that blue button called I found it. You're too old. You're too young. Some of you older know that, you know, in the 70s, we had this campaign. I was just a little nine-year-old kid. I was joining the campaign. Had this big button. I found it. So excited. A big button. I found it. The whole idea is so that people can come and say, what have you found? <gasps> I found Jesus. That was the deal, right? But anyways, the whole, whole found, I found a campaign was, you know, you're supposed to take a, a, uh, uh, a board and some, uh, a form, and you go out to the park, and you about, you're supposed to go and 
give questionnaire to strangers about your whatever. Do you, now, I think the, the whole idea was, do you know the four spiritual law? You remember that? The book? You know, and people, of course, said, no, what is that? Then, then you give you the opportunity to evangelize forcefully on them, right? But I don't know how many people got saved from that. Maybe there's some few people got saved. But you know, we are meant to only do things with only the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you think you believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit? Come on. You believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, raise your hand up. Some of you are not too sure. You'll be like, come on, I want to see. You believe you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's a lot of you. Glory to God. Now, Watch this. This is a spirit, Holy Spirit church. Do you know what that means? Individually, we who are filled with the Holy Spirit are supposed to have a lifestyle of reaching out. We'll do whatever we can to reach out. You say, I just don't feel it. Well, maybe you need to be filled again with the Holy Spirit. Are you here? So quiet. I, you know, I'm not trying to condemn you or manipulate or coerce you. But it ought to be a natural lifestyle of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that you're looking for places where you can share the goodness of God. Not just with words, but with demonstration of power. You know, some of you have this amazing power to pray for the sick. Not some of you, all of you. All of you have been given the commission, and those of you who have raised your hand, been filled with the Holy Spirit, given the ability to pray for the sick. You know, you see me done that here, right? Pray for the sick, right? I pray for people, and, and there's such an adrenaline when you see that people get healed. It's like, wow, this is amazing. And I heard that some of you have done that in the washroom in your workplace, which is even more awesome. Keep doing it. Pray for people, and then when they get healed, guess what? Now they open to the gospel. That's what Paul the Apostle say. I didn't come with persuasive words. I came to, to you with the demonstration of the power and the Spirit of God. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you ought to go out there and look for opportunity to share the gospel. It is very unnatural for a believer who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and just don't want to share. No condemnation. No. I'm just stating the fact. Because every single one of you have been given incredible power, have been given incredible ability, have been given the Holy Spirit to do amazing things for the kingdom of God. You say, I haven't had the Holy Spirit. Well, you come out here. We pray for you. If it doesn't happen today, you don't lose that desire. You keep wanting. You keep wanting. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Then I can accomplish what you call us to do. Number two, as a church, and I'm going to end with this. As a church, our focus, all of us, has to be to the unchurched. Everything we do. Some of you are sitting here looking at all those fancy lights, smokes, whatever. You know what I've, what we, what we created here? We have created a space. I hope I don't offend you. If I do, please forgive me, please. We have created a space for you to be uncomfortable to bring religious people here. If, you're, if, if you want to bring religious people here, you're going to have to do a lot of explanation. I, I heard last week that a couple of people just walked out because it was too loud. 
they have an idea about what church is. You know, the frozen chosen type, right? Hallelujah. Meditation. And a pipe organ go. Oh, yeah, I feel it. Let those people stay in their church because all churches are good, right? Come on, talk to me, please. They don't need to come here. We didn't design this place for you to bring religious, churchy people here. This place is not comfortable, religious, churchy people. This place is comfortable for you to bring sinners in. Very soft amen. Can I hear it? Louder amen. You know, when your friends who have been, who has been you know, visiting bars every Saturday night, when they come in here, they have to go, Wow, I love this. And that's why the Pharisees and the religious people, they were so upset with Jesus. They just don't get him. He's hanging out with sinners more than with them. And every time he goes to their house, he allows sinners to come in. When the religious people say, no, 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 don't you know? Does he know he's a prophet? If he's a prophet, does he know there's sinners that wiping his feet and what's wrong with him? What was Jesus doing? His focus wasn't on the religious churchy people. If they're safe already, leave them alone in the church. Can I hear an amen? amen? You're very soft this morning. They are, they're a good church. All the churches here are good church. Unless they preach Satan, they're all good church. If they preach Satan, let us know. We all go together and shaka them down. Hallelujah. Do a prayer walk over them. Hallelujah. But if they go into any other church, it's all good. Well, they're not preaching the word. How do you know? Our focus is not to cannibalize another church. Are you here this morning? Yeah. I'm not interested in another Christian coming here. That's why I say, God, give us more people to get baptized. Yes. Come on. So other Christians want to go to another church. Great. But our focus must always be external. Do you know why we do the Facebook thing? Some people are sitting there saying, why is he doing Facebook? Well, honey, the reason we do that is because we want to reach the world. Everybody say reach the world. We have this amazing medium called Facebook. Use it. Don't, if you don't use it, the devil is going to use it. You know that. I want to tell you this. Something's really interesting. I was in a leadership conference some 10, 15 years ago. And there was this chairman of the... Um, Oh, what's his name? I can't remember. It's uh, Youthful Christ. What's that guy? Billy, Billy something. He was sharing with us, sorry, Bill Cunningham, not truth, but YOM. YOM, Bill Cunningham. And uh, it was, it was in, in a church in, in Toronto um, in, on, on, the, on the road called Queensway. <laughs> Figure it out. So we, we, we were in a small room, we we're intimate. It's about probably about 200 leaders from the city of Toronto. We were invited, we were sitting in there. And he was talking about media. He said, be, unknown, be, un, uh, uh, be unknown to most of you, he said. The church would have been the main trustee or the holder of all the mass media today if the church were not, the churches were not close minded. He said, you know, when the Hollywood thing just got started, they started to have the black and white film. 
they figured the best way to get the best audience, immediate audience, was to go to church. So they went and go to all the pastors, all the key leaders. They said, we, we, we want to make movies, we want to do this. We, you, you know, you have all the audience. We'd like you to take part in it. Well, you know what the church did? They said, this is for the devil. They said, the film is for the devil. We don't want to touch it. We want to stay holy, holy, holy. So Bill Cunningham, YWAM, he said, he warned us believers, Christian leaders in the city. He said, don't you dare miss that opportunity. He said, you use everything that is at your disposal to preach the gospel so that the word of God can be shared and preached to all men in the city. And that was before Facebook showed up. Well, I didn't even know what he was talking about. But it's making sense now. Use everything at the disposal to reach as many people as possible. You say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of this church. Well, I don't know why you're doing here. Go to a place that you're proud of, then share it to the world. Because time is too short. Time is very short. There are people that are dying by the thousands, if not millions, every single, every single week. We have to use everything at our disposal to let the word of the gospel go on because that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not here for you to get a better job, get a better spouse, get a better Bible study. The Holy Spirit is for us to equip the church, for God to equip the church to reach the lost. Every single one of you have the capacity and the ability to reach the lost. I'm looking for that. It's Nadia here. Nadia. She's right here? No, on weekend. Okay, great. I can talk about her. So Nadia is the third person. We got two doctors here in the house, so I'm going to tell you guys, okay? She's the third person that had been referred to this church by a doctor that we have no idea who he is on Bathurst and Steel. I haven't got a clue who this guy is. So the story has been very consistent. So Nadia was the latest. Now she's part of this church. She's on fire for God. She's serving God. I don't even know who this doctor is. So she said she went to this doctor, you know, she was already, so, so she hasn't been to church for a while. She used to attend the church in Mississauga, but she hasn't been to church for a while. And so she went to, to that doctor. She was feeling sick, you know. And the doctor said, after giving this prescription, the doctor started to kind of size the person up, see if he's a Muslim or a Christian, whatever, and found out that she was a Christian, you know. And the doctor immediately turned the monitor over and started searching for churches in Toronto. And he said, go to this church. A doctor. You say, well, that's, that's malpractice or whatever. Well, you know. <laughs> we, we heal the sick. We just try to be quiet, right? And then she, she came. And she was touched by the power of God. And she was so happy. She just signed up to volunteer in the, in the, in the hospitality ministry. She was full of joy, beaming, you know. There's two two older couples at the back there 
Lucy? Where's your husband? Let's see where your husband is. They were riding on a bus. They were riding on a bus. Oh, here's it. Here he is. They're riding on a bus. And somebody, some bus driver, some bus driver, who is that bus driver? Somebody tell me, please. Told them to come to this church. Oh, come on. Whatever profession you are in, God has planted you there intentionally. Come on. He has planted you there intentionally. We're not there to just make each... We're not don't come here on Sunday to make each other feel good. You come here on Sunday to refill and recharge. Why? So that you can have a better career? No, so that you can be the light of the world. You know, some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, I haven't felt that the Holy Spirit for a while. Maybe because you haven't properly used the tools, the power of God that has been afforded to you. Many of you are here today because somebody brought you here. Now, many of you are here because of Facebook or internet also. But we all came from different areas. So in other words, we do everything, use every means possible. If you want your life to be exciting, especially your faith life, because some of you probably thought, oh, my faith is so stale. So you're trying to go for another conference or some teacher or another church, more exciting teacher, more exciting preacher to stir you up. Well, you can only do so much because these days a, a conference, they're really expensive. They're like $120 per ticket. If you go to another city, some people had to fly all the way to God knows where and there's another couple of thousand dollars right there to get their faith stirred up and excited. I'm not knocking that. Or maybe I am, but I'm not, you know. But if you want your faith to be stirred up, may I encourage you to share your faith because the more you give it away, the more will be replenished to you, multiplied to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So you want to have an exciting faith? Start to share your faith. Hey, you know about Jesus? He can heal you. He can make things well for you in your life. He is good to you. He is not here to judge you and condemn you. He loves you. The more broken you are, the better it is for His power to work in your life. Come to Jesus. Come to my Jesus. Come and He will save you. He will transform you. He will change you. He will cause your life to be different. He will resurrect all Oh, that is dead in you and he's a God of hope he's a God of love he's a God of the future he will give you eternal life he's a good God oh friends preach the word of God preach the word of God with the Holy Spirit